Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for the mandate that's on this church. Lord, I ask, oh God, that as I preach this morning, Lord, Father God, that ears would be open to hearing and eyes, Father God, to seeing. Lord, make me a clear oracle this morning. Be my mouthpiece, Holy Spirit. Help me, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so I haven't been around for a while, and it's lovely to be back um, for a while. Today I'm going to be preaching on the fourth perspective. Um, Of course, as most of you know, I haven't been around for a while. But what I've been doing is asking the Lord just to help me to grow as a a Christian, um, to move beyond maybe like the foundational stuff like love, which I normally preach on, which is very important. <clears throat> but I, as a Christian, I've been asking the Lord to help me to reach my full potential, to be my best, first and foremost, as a Christian, and then as a wife and a mom, and any other job that I happen to do. And so I'm on my journey, but I hope that by the time I get through, a lot of you will come on this journey with me. What I've been asking God really is, you know, to help me, just to help me see things right and to think things right. And, you know, this message comes from a lot of different things that he's taught me and told me over this season. So the key to this fourth perspective is the way we think and the way we see things. To change ourselves effectively, we must first change our perceptions. Your reality is as you perceive it to be. So it is true that by altering your perception, you can alter your your reality. Yeah, so I'm saying that to say it's not too late to change the way you see things and the way you act upon those things that you see. So our perspective is essential to everything in our lives. How we do things, is how we do things. Whether it turns out good or whether it turns out bad, because we see things not as they are, but as we are. Yeah? I mean, if you're stuck, honestly, wave your hands. I'm a children's church teacher, so, you know. We, the things we do, we do not just out of the things that, you know, we see. The greatest gap between people who do well and those who don't do so well is the perspective gap. We see things differently, and how we see life is what we receive from life. So if I have the right perspective about things, things will turn out much better for me than if I have the wrong perspective. And so I have to focus my mind and the way I think. So the scripture that I've kind of anchored a lot of um, this season on has been Philippians 4.8, and you can put it up on the board. It's an incredible scripture, and it's, like I said, the scripture that I'm beginning to live my life off of. It's a scripture where you have to force yourself, if need be, to think on those things that are good, those things that are pure, those things that are noble, those things that are just, those things that are lovely and of good report, anything that has virtue in it, you know, anything that is praiseworthy, those are the things that we need to meditate on. 
that's all to do with perspective. And so just to have a bit of fun, I wanted to um, read out something that I came across. It's called, well, it's an excerpt from a dog's diary and from a cat's diary. Some of you might have heard it before, but from the dog's diary. 8 a.m., dog food, my favorite thing. 11.30, a car ride, my favorite thing. 9.40, a walk in the park, oh, my favorite thing. 12 noon, lunch, my favorite thing. 1 o'clock, I played in the yard, my favorite thing. 3 p.m., I wagged my tail, oh, my favorite thing. 5 p.m., dinner, my favorite thing. 8 p.m., watched TV with the people, my favorite thing. 11 p.m., I'm sleeping in bed, my favorite thing. Excerpts from a cat's diary. Day 938 of my captivity. <laughs> my captors continue to torment me with bizarre little dangling objects. The only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. And that, my friend, is perspective, seeing it from two different sides. So the story of the Good Samaritan is where I'm going to take my teaching today. It's not a story of four perspectives, but it's a story of three. The fourth one is beyond anything that the Good Samaritan has, and it's an incredible biblical perspective that I'll close with. But the Good Samaritan is a, is a story that you're familiar with, and you know how it comes out of the context of the lawyer asking, who is my neighbor? So if you turn with me to Luke 10, 30 to 38 in the Good News translation, it says, then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came, he looked, and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, the one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So in the story, we're introduced to the robbers who saw the man on the road going down from Jericho, coming from Jerusalem. And so they robbed him. And so I'm going to start with the robber's perspective, because there are some here who have this one. Not many, obviously, in the hall, but I'm still going to start from there, and I'll explain to you why in a bit. The robber's perspective is this. What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. And that's how a robber feels. You have something they want, and they're going to take it from you. They feel that it's theirs, and it is their right to have it. So they'll do whatever is possible to take whatever is yours and have it for themselves. When we hear that bit, you know, we think, oh, that's such a terrible perspective. But I want to remind you that we all started out in life with this particular perspective. 
we're all born with a robber on the inside of us. If you don't believe it, look at the behavior of a child, yeah? They believe that everything belongs to them. A toddler's perspective of uh, property law is, if I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like you're having fun with it, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> yeah? So we were all born in sin, and we pretty much have the, that perspective uh, when we're born. So, you know, you've got it, I want it, it's mine. And that part of us causes us, instead of having the perspective of giving and sharing, it gives us that perspective of grabbing and grasping, holding on and taking. We end up thinking, why don't I have that? Or why shouldn't I have that? And it grows this entitlement mindset. So we need to be very careful, even us who have been redeemed by Christ, because that robber within us manifests as envy and jealousy. And I know you probably feel, well, I, I don't have a robber on the inside of me. You're sitting there thinking, that's not me. But hey, that person sitting next to you, maybe there's a robber inside of them. Yeah? So hold on to your bags and stuff. Um, so that's the first perspective. Let's go to the second. The second one comes a lot around where we are now. I'd, I'd say most of us are in that second perspective. Um, and so if you've got the rub out of you, we're probably still battling with this one. The second perspective was the perspective of the priest and the Levi. They see the man, and Jesus made it very clear that they saw the man. I mean, he said, he said they went over to where he was, at least I think it was the, the, the Levi, went to where he was and then looked and he crossed over to the other side. So Jesus wanted us to know that they saw him. I mean, obviously they could have been, you could be doing anything else, you know, maybe listening to music and might not see what's going on. But Jesus actually wanted us to know in this story that they saw him. So, the second perspective is, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. Yes, we can see that the man has been beaten up. Yes, we can see that he's in need. But, to be honest with you, what's mine is mine, I'm going to keep it. And I'm sure, obviously, they were going from, was it Jerusalem to Jericho? I'm sure they had busy schedules. They probably had, you know, lunch appointments, what have you. Um, but this perspective is a very, very selfish perspective. And selfish people don't like to be inconvenienced. We have our own plans, our own agendas. You know, it's like, oh, I've got my day, I've got my schedule. And to be honest, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. Um, I've worked hard for this. I deserve it. I, it took me a long time to get to where I am. You know, you have all, all these reasons why you should hold on to what's yours, so to speak. I heard this, um, this story about um, this American guy, and he, he loved McDonald's fries, as did his son. So he takes his son out and says, you know, son, let's go out, let's go to McDonald's. And he gets there, and they, he goes to the counter, puts his money down, and buys his son a packet of French fries. So his son sits down and he's sitting opposite him, you know, they're chatting. 
his son's eating the, the fries. And if anybody likes fries like I like fries, you, you, the smell is very enticing. And so somewhere in the course of, you know, while he's eating the chips, the dad puts his hand inside the pack of, you know, son's chips or french fries. And um, the, the son grabs his hand and he's like, no, 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 no. Those are my fries. You can't have them, dad. And just out of shock, you know, the dad kind of takes his hand back and, and you know, drops the, well, his dad, his son had pried the chips out anyway. But, you know, he just moves his hand back. And um, the dad says, like, you know, three things went through his mind when that happened. One was, my son doesn't understand where those fries came from. He doesn't understand that I am the source. I drove him to McDonald's, I put the money down, and I gave him the fries. The second thing he doesn't understand is that I have the power to take away those fries. Yes? And all I'll do is I'll take those fries, I'll sit right opposite him, and I'll eat those fries. Like, you know, you watch me eat the fries right now and see how you feel. And, you know, it's like with that selfish attitude, you just, he would go literally from having fries to having no fries whatsoever. Yeah, that's him being selfish. And then he, he, the dad's thinking, well, also, because I'm the source, I could bury him in fries. I could go to the counter, ask them for 50 packs of fries, and literally just bury him in fries to let him know, like, I, I am the source. So, or, still, he says, he could also just go to the counter, put some money down, and buy his own pack of fries. Yes? And then he sits on his side of the table, and his son sits on his side, and they just eat the fries. But he said what worried him was the fact that he didn't need the fries. He could have got his own fries. All he wanted was for his son to share the fries with him. Just to share the fries with him. Yes, he's the source. But he wanted a child that would share. So I asked this morning, what is it that stops us from wanting to share our fries with God? What stops us? It's perspective. Whenever we have a perspective that is selfish, we miss out on all the incredible sharing times that we could possibly have with God. And some of you might say, you've passed being selfish and that you rarely think of, of yourself. But I'll put it to you this morning that you, that's not true. And I can tell you a good example is when you're in a group photograph, a group picture, and the picture comes out, who do you look for first? And if that picture, if you look at yourself and you look good, wow, this is such an amazing picture. This looks great. And if the picture doesn't look good, it's like, okay, all right, let's take it again. Let's take, let's take that picture again. Yeah? So it's really all about us. We judge that picture based on how we look. I think we all have that kind of stuff on the inside of us, you know? Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So how many of you want to live a refreshed life? Okay, so then the answer there is refresh others. Refresh others. God wants us to be a river and not a reservoir. He will only give us what he knows will flow through us. 
So there's the priest and the Levi and their perspective of what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. The third perspective is that of the Good Samaritan, which is what's mine is yours and I'm going to give it. I'm going to share it with you. All three of them saw the man, but the Good Samaritan didn't think about himself or the inconvenience of, of it. He, he probably had business to do as well, you know, things that he had planned. Um, but he stopped and he took care of him. He gave up his time and his schedule. He probably had to give up a couple of appointments in Jericho. But everything changed when he saw that the man was hurting. And this perspective understands that no matter what my agenda is today, the needs of others, it's something I must immediately respond to as I've been blessed. As I bless, I'm going to use that blessing to help others. The priest and the Levi said, if I stop, what will happen to me? A good Samaritan said, if I don't stop, what would happen to him? But then the good Samaritan also realized that if he didn't stop, not only would the guy possibly die, but what would happen to him? What would happen to his heart? His heart would probably grow cold, you know, because after a while, when you refuse to be, you know, to share, your heart does get hard, you know? That's just not the way it should be. I'm sure, like, if we look at those three perspectives, you'd probably be thinking, okay, this third perspective, that's the way I want to live. I want to be able to share my stuff. But there's a higher one. There's a higher perspective. The higher perspective is the fourth perspective. And this perspective, once you have it, once you live it, once you embrace it, it'll change your life. So before I give you the fourth perspective, say to your neighbor, this is going to help you. Yeah? And look at your other neighbor and say, God knows you need help. Yeah? So this is life-changing. You know, the first three, they're easily taught. But I really do pray that um, God helps me to nail the fourth. The fourth one will change your life. And it's this. What's mine is not mine. And I'm going to manage it. What's mine is not mine. And I'm going to manage it. This perspective will change your life. But not only that, it will change the life of all those around you in a very positive way. You see, when Christ saves us from our sins... The relationship we have is, you know, the savior relationship. This perspective puts you in a relationship with the Lord. The relationship changes to the lordship relationship. So not only has he forgiven us, but he's number one in every area of our lives, where he's truly the Lord of our lives. And we begin to understand that everything we have is a gift from him. And therefore, we have to realize that everything we have is not mine or yours, and it's not supposed to be. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. So what's mine is not mine. Everything is his. He is the Lord of my life. I am the manager of it. I steward it. I get to enjoy all the incredible aspects of our relationship, but it's not mine. It's his. Today, when I was coming to church, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'd like to bless somebody. But like we had gotten, you know, a ways and almost here. And I was just thinking, well, I don't really have a lot of money. So what am I going to do? I'm thinking maybe I, I could ask for money uh, just so that I can bless somebody. 
you know. So, and I was like, okay, I'll, borrow, I'll just borrow some money from somebody and I will bless that person. So, um, can somebody give me 20K? I'd like to bless somebody. So, can someone just give me 20K to, so that I can bless somebody else? Does anybody have 20K? You? But the, what's, what's in there? Is it, is it 20K? Thank you very much. Yes, some. Thank you, Sheikh. Can you please give her a round of applause? She's given me 20K. So that's a, a generous, honest person that's just given me 20K. Thank you. We could be friends, you know. I just <laughs> so I bet you're wondering, like, why would she give me 20K? Okay, let me tell you the truth of the matter. Before the service started, I gave Shay the 20K. And I said, when I ask for the 20K back, please give me back my money. <laughs> yeah? give, me, give me back my money. And because Shay is such an honest person, she gave it. She's a good person. She's honest. She didn't you know, take any out, out of it. In fact, she was supposed to take it out of the envelope to give it to me so that it wouldn't look like... But anyway... Um, the reason why she was quick to give me back that 20K was because she knew that it wasn't her money. Do you understand that? It's not her money. And so she could quite easily give it back to me. Yeah? And that's, you know, you shouldn't be tied to anything. That's, where's, where's Gideon? Gideon here. So I wanted to bless you anyway. Yeah? So, you know, she was quick to give me the money because she understood that it wasn't her money. When you know that your time and your money and your giftings are not yours, it's never a problem to hand them back. Yeah? It's never. The problem is we get tight with God when we think that it's our money, our gifts, our time. Something we all need to learn is that we may all be very gifted and very talented, and God may have been very good to you in certain areas, maybe mentally or physically, financially, spiritually. He might have been so good to you. But the lesson today is this. Those aren't your gifts. That time isn't yours. Those, whatever it is, it didn't come from you. You didn't earn them. You didn't deserve them. You weren't holy enough to get any of the things that you've been given, you know, freely by God. As success happens, there'll be people coming to you and they'll be saying, you're amazing. You're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing because you did this or you did that or you've become the CEO or the chairman of this or you bought lots of land or, you, you know, whatever it is, it's like, you know, you're amazing. But no, you're a sinner saved by grace that has been given a gift. And what, you know, sometimes people can't separate the two. Every time you get applauded, you need to remember they're not clapping for you. They're clapping for the gift giver. They're clapping for the creator. People, a lot of times, don't know how to separate them. But you know, you need it. It keeps you level-headed. You need to know that it's not all about you. It's about God. Sometimes, like I said, they don't know the difference. But everything changes with this perspective. Our gifts aren't ours. They're his. Our money isn't ours. It's his. And the moment you understand that, the debate on how to use your time or your money or your giftings should end. 
imagine you take a, a package to a delivery service, like an overnight service, and you, you, know, you go to the delivery place and you <clears throat> address it to whoever it is and say, Could I, I need this overnight delivery. I need it to get to XYZ in the morning. And so in the morning, you call your friend that you posted it to and say, um, did you get the parcel? And they're like, well, uh, no. And you're like, what do you mean you didn't get it? I sent it overnight delivery. And the person's like, well, I didn't get it. And so you rush back to the delivery place and you, um, you go in there and say, hey guys, do you, do you remember me? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, I, I remember you. It's like, well, you were the guy that came in with the parcel or you were the girl that came in with the parcel. And they're like, yeah, it's okay, so where's the parcel? Because my friend hasn't got it. And then the delivery person says to you, well, I, I took it home. Like, uh, excuse me? I took it home. It's like, why would you take it home? Why would you take it home? And he, he says, well, because you gave it to me. You handed it over to me. So like, yeah, I did that so that you could give it to somebody else. So, oh, okay. So here's the thing. The blessings that we have, the gifts that we have, they're not for you. They're not for me. They're for somebody else. They're for somebody else. We're just God's delivery people. I'm God's delivery girl. It's got to flow through you. The perspective has to always be, it's not mine, it's his. It's not mine, it's his. And so this morning, I just want to pray a blessing over everyone here, a blessing over the church, that that fourth perspective is the one that you grasp a hold of and that it will change your life. And I pray that High Life Church will always be God's messenger place. That things would always flow in to flow out of this church. I pray over our leadership, over our congregation, just everybody here. That you will embrace the fourth perspective. The perspective that causes you to think on the things that are good. The one that causes you to understand that you need to refresh others. The one that will cause you to understand that everything is the Lord's. Nothing, not one thing belongs to you. Nothing. God is amazing. The gifts he's given, those are amazing. And that's it, people. That's it. Hallelujah.